Today marks the beginning of a new series. Simply put, it's good news. So if you came to church today and you needed a bit of good news, you came to the right place. I assure you that uh, maybe not everything that will be said will be good news, but I'm certainly hoping that you will find good news in the Pentateuch. Now, those of you who did take Latin know that penta means, all right, so five books. Talk to a variety of people, you'll get a variety of answers as to who wrote them. I'm currently believing it was Moses. Others disagree. However, that's where we are today, and it will progress throughout the month. So you don't want to miss the next exciting episode next week. Today is Independence Day weekend. Okay, so we, we're not happy. Uh, we all wish we could live in Ecuador. Just kidding. Okay. This is the weekend where we uh, celebrate the fact that we declared independence. It's a big word. It's something that will crop up a lot. We declared independence from the old. I think in American culture we have kind of instituted some ways that we do that. Uh, sometimes kids get cars on their 16th birthday. I think parents have learned now that that's way too expensive for insurance. So usually it's maybe on their 21st birthday, which is more of the day that the British people celebrate independence. We celebrate independence from the patriarchal. The old system that was left behind where if you were born into the house of a lord, you were lucky. You had a gold spoon in your mouth. But if you were born into the house of a serf, then you were a serf for the rest of your life. There was no way that you could change that. And so a new country was born where we could become anything we wanted so long as we worked hard. Right? Over 200 years later, is that still the truth? We celebrate our independence today from the tyrannical, right? That old king in England that wanted to tax us to death, to line his coffers with our hard-earned money. We wanted to be free of that. We wanted to do our own thing and put taxes in our own pockets or those of our politicians. No, no, that, that probably wasn't thought of then. We declared for freedom. We declared for liberty. We, be, we declared for, for justice for all. Unfortunately, it sounds like another declaration of independence. One that landed us in a dependent relationship with death. The good news is, though, here comes the good news. I told you you wouldn't necessarily like what I just said, but I've got some great news for you. If you claim the free gift of eternal life offered to all humanity by Jesus Christ, you can live forever. See, I told you it'd be good news. The catch is, and you were 
you were waiting now for the fine print. I, I, I know you were. You, you can only live free if you are dependent on Jesus Christ. It's a conundrum, I know. And it's difficult for me as a, as a red-blooded immigrant American to tell you this today because we prize our independence. Our entire culture is, is built on celebrating things like Harley Davidson's. Rawr. I live in Santa Clarita. Down the street is Santa Clarita Choppers where he can build you the biggest, baddest bike you've ever seen. Yeah, I went to visit him because he makes works of art, man. Let me tell you. And I'm hearing the engines roar from my house. I live on Soledad Canyon Road. It's otherwise known as Soledad Canyon Raceway. And I, I'm now beginning to know what, it sound, what, the, what, what the Ford sounds like and, and what the Chevys sound like and, and, and what the Chryslers sound like as they round the corner and then screech their brakes before going on to Golden Valley and doing it all over again until they get way down New Hall Ranch. Love it. Thrills my soul. The catch is you can only live free if you depend on Jesus Christ. And it sounds easy. It sounds like no problem. And how many of us actually have achieved dependence on Jesus this last week? Guilty as charged. I, I did not. I will tell you, I did not live a fully dependent life on Jesus this last week. Jesus is approached by a, a good-looking, well-dressed young man. We know him in the Bible as the rich young ruler. I think he was from Santa Clarita. He didn't even need to go down to the Galleria, where we were yesterday, and to shop he could just go to our mall and be very well dressed. He approached Jesus and he actually asks Jesus to examine him. And he says, what else? I mean, this guy's bold. I guess that's the new series that we're not supposed to watch. This guy's bold. He basically thinks he's all that except one chip. He's got the bag of chips, but these. He might be missing one more. He wants the stamp of approval of the latest, greatest rabbi to come around named Jesus of Nazareth. And so he comes up to Jesus and he says, what one thing must I do to inherit eternal life? Now you all just said amen to the good news that if you accept this free gift from God that you will inherit eternal life. You were happy to hear that. That was good news. But I'm telling you right now what Jesus said next to this rich young man caused him to turn around and walk away. Sir, 
sell all your possessions and give them to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And then Jesus says, then come and follow me. What I've realized of late is that maybe in, in, in my life I have not joined the two things together that we teach in this church and, 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 and in Christendom in general, and that is that if you say that you are with Jesus, then he, he gives you eternal life, and that eternal life begins at that moment, that very moment that you say that you're with him, he gives you this gift. And so your eternal life begins at that moment. Legally speaking, your debt has been paid. You are now part of his kingdom. You're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. That moment has happened for most of you. I am praying that if it hasn't happened for you, come talk to me or talk to somebody who has already accepted Jesus. See what it's like. It's, it's the best thing in the world. It's not easy, but it's the best thing in the world to accept that gift. But what, more importantly, I want us to, to hold on to and grasp onto the fact that we, we teach, we believe that our eternal life has already begun. It's not a future event, folks. Now, the second coming of Jesus, yes, that's still future. But if you have accepted this free gift of God, <laughs> this is a reality. This is what's happening right now, today. This experience you're having by sitting in church with this congregation is part of your eternal life. That's what you just said amen to. Because you see, even if you die... And yes, there are some friends of ours who are contemplating that because they've been told by their doctor, you've got terminal cancer. Your life is not going to last as long as you thought it would. Death is coming for you quicker than you thought. Even if that is your prognosis, we can say with surety, based on faith in Jesus Christ today, that you will live again. That's the good news. That's the, that's the brilliant news that keeps me going, thinking that this life is not all that there is. I'm, I'm going to tell you honestly, I feel sorry for people who believe that this is all that there is. Now, some of us think, hey, <laughs> I'm living a good life. I have all I need to eat. I have a nice car to drive. I have a nice house, and, and, and I can take a shower whenever I want. Oh, don't laugh. You're homeless? Two things you live for. A bed, well, a shower, and a bed. Fatigue. One of the greatest enemies of the homeless. Because you can't sleep at night. You might be robbed of whatever you have. Imagine that. You went to bed last night, you locked the doors. Well, what if you don't have a door to lock? You've got to stay awake. Yes, you may end up sleeping in one of the parks 
in the daytime when the police are around to protect you, you may end up sleeping in the park in the daytime because you couldn't sleep at night in these United States on this Independence Weekend. This is our eternal life, folks. If you've said yes to Jesus Christ, you are experiencing your eternal life. It's good news. The catch is you live it with Jesus Christ. And that's in the here and now. Matthew 19 says that Jesus' response to the young man was, there's just one thing. Don't you hate it when the teacher says that? I always did. 99%! Ah! One, just one. Couldn't you just find it within your heart to give me 100%? No. There's just one thing. Sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. And then Jesus goes on because he is a rabbi and he gives a rabbinic grace-filled proclamation to this young man. You will have what you want, which is graduation into my school. You just go and sell your possessions. Now, there have been those who have interpreted this text to mean to do literally what Jesus has asked of this young man. I honor them for divesting themselves and to become, a nice word, Eric will like it, mendicant. Mendicant monks. They come in different colors, and their robes are also different colors. Some are brown robes, Franciscans. Some are saffron robes, Buddhists. But there are people in this world who believe that they must divest themselves of their possessions and then go and live totally dedicated to their God and service to Him. I'm going to tell you that, yes, without having to take care of family and the other rigors of society today, it probably would be easier to spend more time dedicated directly to God. I'm, I'm sure those of you who had a busy week would agree with me. You would have more time if you didn't have to go to work. I mean, we are doing nominating committee right now, and I know that some of you are saying, I, I would love to help you, but... I just don't have time. So I honor those people who have given up their possessions. But I do believe that for purposes of today, this is about dependence. This is about dependence. And what Jesus is saying to this young man is, I need you to decide that you are no longer going to depend on your possessions to define you. No, you cannot have that bumper sticker anymore that says, he with the most toys, when he dies, 
he wins. Or something like that. I don't know, but I live in California now, and I do believe that that bumper sticker could probably define the imagination of many people who have come to the land of milk and money. Yeah. He who dies with the most toys wins. All right? And again, I am not here to say that persons who have are bad and that persons who don't have are good. That's not what Jesus is talking about here, I believe. Today he is talking about the fact that he needs to have us depend on him. You see, to not depend on him is to choose death. Let's see the text. See if you remember the, the end of it. The wages of sin is... Okay, sin, I'm going to say this probably many times in your hearing. To me, the definition of sin is a broken relationship. When you choose, like the rich young ruler, to walk away from God, you are walking away from the life giver. There is only, other, only one other explanation of what you are doing. You are walking towards extinction and death. And maybe not tomorrow, but ultimately speaking, that is what you're doing. You're walking into a death trap. Instead of depending on who I am, which... Cain found. Do you remember Cain? Brother of Abel? Instead of depending on what I can produce, things like hatred, jealousy, envy, even murder. Remember what Jesus said? If you've even thought it in your heart? How many, how many people in traffic this week did you kill in your heart oh my life <laughs> there would be carnage behind me independence day can be the day we declare our independence from ourselves you see, because that was the independence I was talking about that was declared long ago. There was a little message that came into the ear of first Eve and then to Adam. Don't you want to be independent from God? He's not telling you the truth. The truth is, you can be the boss of you. I say Independence Day can be the day that we declare we are no longer the boss of me, but we are dependent upon the Lord of the universe. So it is that we, we find the children of Israel wandering in the desert. They're wandering in the desert. They're waiting to die. 
They had refused to depend upon God at Kadesh Barnea. They even started to pick up stones to kill Caleb and Joshua. Just like Cain picked up a rock and killed his brother Abel. Independent versus dependent. Joshua and Caleb said, we can depend on God to do what he said, which is to give us the land of Canaan. Giants and all. The people said, and ten other spies said, no, we can't. We can't because we only see what we can do. And there are giants in the land, and we look like grasshoppers compared to them. We cannot win. Caleb and Joshua said, oh yes we can, because we're connected to the God of the universe who can do anything. Independent picked up stones and was about to stone dependent. So in Numbers chapter 20, we find them out of water. Wandering in the wasteland, you are dependent on water. This is usually my cue to tell you, are you drinking enough? I learned from a, a man who taught Navy SEALs and uh, other uh, uh, fighting forces uh, how to survive, evade, get rescued, and escape, or escape. Uh, SEER. He taught the Air Force. And the one thing he told us was, you've got to have water. The Israelites in chapter 20 of the book of Numbers are out of water. God tells Moses, speak to the rock. Now, you've got to read it again because, you know, maybe, maybe like me, you thought God told him, just hit it once. No. God said, you speak to the rock and I will send water out of the rock. But Moses and Aaron mess up. They usurp. They, they take for themselves what is not theirs. They take the power and the glory and they say to the people, must, well, the people say, must we, must we bring you? They say, must we bring you? This is Moses and Aaron. Must we bring you water from this rock? I know, you're sitting there in stunned silence. You didn't know that Moses and Aaron were so blasphemous. But how many times, how many times have you have you said that to your, your children? Must I do this for you? When really, when really we had an opportunity, parents, to say to our children, you know what, we've got to depend on God because He's going to do it for us. 
How many times have, have I stood there and thought that it was me that was doing the stuff that I needed in order to, to make my life go? That the health and strength that I possess is all me. And that what I produce is all me. Well, must we bring you water out of this rock? They went rogue. Moses and Aaron went rogue. And they blasphemed God. And they ruined, they ruined his, his teaching moment. They claimed the glory. They claimed the glory and the honor for themselves. Here's the incredible piece. God still provided the water. So as I am upset with myself for not depending, trusting, being God dependent, as I'm upset with myself for being part of a, a church that maybe is not dependent enough upon God, and, and, and I can get all you know, anxious and, and, and worked up about that, I have to realize, my friends, that God still sends the sun. And occasionally in Santa Clarita, he sends rain. So we take care of the watering ourselves. It's the goodness of God. It's the good news. Even when we blaspheme, you want to know the, the meaning of grace? Even when you talk against God, He still loves you. He still, he still cares for you. He's gave, he gave these, these people who were talking against Him, even His two most trusted friends, talking against him, taking, taking the glory for themselves, he still sent water for them, their families, their animals. Yes, Moses took his rod and he strikes the rock not only once, but he hits it twice. I don't know what he was thinking. I don't know what I'm thinking. God told him, speak to the rock. That's all you have to do. Speak. I'll do the rest. Have you ever heard preachers say, just pray. Just pray. I was talking to Joe this week by text. We're talking about Mrs. Yao's daughter. I asked her, what, what more can we do as a church? Yao, she lives far away, up near Sacramento. So we kind of like take food to the family or something. But you know what? We can pray. We can pray that this woman will not be under the death sentence of cancer. She's got young children. We can ask God, God, please, don't take this mother away from her children. We can do that. That's something we, we can do. We can act in a corporate manner to be dependent upon God and ask him to spare this woman's life a little longer. 
Now, we don't know the plan of God. We don't want to interfere with that. But we certainly know that there are some children going to be without their mommy if she dies. The Creator God, I believe, sustains us just like He sustained Cain. Even though we disobey, even though we disrespect, even though we disconnect from the life support and call it independence in the name of freedom and justice and the pursuit of happiness. God still blesses America and the whole world. Even in our attempt at independence from Him, He still blesses us. Praise His name. Even when we believe the lie that He is the tyrant, the waters of life still gush forth from the rock known as Jesus Christ and give life to all humanity. But there are consequences. I, I, I would not be able to stand up here honestly and tell you that there are not. There are consequences. There, 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 there have been consequences in the past, and, and I, I must tell you that there will be consequences in the future. Moses and Aaron dissed God. They stole the limelight from God, and they didn't trust or honor Him. Genesis 20, verse 12 says, or number, numbers, excuse me, the consequences. Here are the consequences. You too will not bring the people that have been entrusted to you, you too will not bring them into the land of Canaan. Oh my goodness. He has just spent the, the last 40 years. This is Moses now of his life, waiting for that moment. But by his actions at that moment where he strikes the rock instead of just speaking to it as God wanted him to, he steals away God's ability to say, I am the God who brought you out of Egypt. I am the God who took you through the desert. I am the God who took you into the land of Canaan. So God cannot trust Moses or Aaron to take the people into the land of Canaan because they just might claim that they did it themselves. So the consequences are you, Moses, you, Aaron, will not. Aaron dies on the top of Mount Hor, H-O-R, Later, Moses dies on the top of Mount Nebo. The crazy thing about that passage is, it tells you right then and there, Moses was in great health. He's 120 years old. Three times four. 140 in Egypt. 140 in the desert of Midian with his wife Zipporah and his kids. And 140 leading the children of Israel through that same desert. See why God had him lead sheep first? 
because he was going to lead another kind of sheep for another 40 years. God has a way of preparing us, doesn't he? But he's in good health, the Bible says. He goes on to the top of Mount Nebo and he dies. I have my own theories about that based on Jude 9 because we know in Jude chapter, well, chapter 1, verse 9, because there's only one chapter in Jude, that he dies and Jesus and Satan fight over his body. And Jesus says he's mine. No question. Satan says, no, he disobeyed you. He dissed you. And Jesus said, no, he is forgiven and he is mine. I don't know about you, but that tells me there is good news in the Pentateuch. There is good news in the book of Numbers. It's called salvation. It's called justification. Yes, my friends, there are consequences. There are consequences. They went through Arad. They, they killed all those people. I don't know about you, but it's difficult to talk to some of my friends about those passages, but Edom didn't let them through. By the way, who lived in the land of Edom? Esau. And before him, Cain. Brothers, but not friends. A talking event, uh, God, 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 God has them now and he's trying to bring them to the, the country that he wants to give them and they are again talking against him. Talking against his sustaining power and against the leadership of Moses. And so we, we come to this story and I, I, I had Amy, our wonderful secretary, uh, put on the front of your bulletin uh, several pictures, okay? Some of which you medical people are all too familiar with, but us unmedical people may not absolutely know what this is all about. But this, this has to do with this very story that we're going to end with today. Snake on a pole. I had her put the one that just has the one snake, and then there are two snakes, and then there's the one snake with the blue that I've seen on, on uh, EMS jackets. And then there's the beautiful picture down below by one of the great Dutch masters, I believe. Or maybe it was, yeah, maybe it was Rembrandt. Verse 6 of chapter 21. God sent venomous snakes among them. Now, I'm not going to unpack all of the irony that is in this, all of the double entendre, all of the double meaning that is in this story, but I want you to let your minds be under the guidance of the Holy Spirit right now. I want you to grab a hold of what is happening. God allowed for Satan to rebel. I'm just going to say that. And into the world the snake went, and he corrupted, and he bit Humanity. You could say that God removed the protection that he had been providing from the snakes that were already there. If you tend to be a reader of a certain lady named Ellen White, she may tell you that. So the snakes bit the people and they started to die from snake bite. And yes, there are 
today, venomous snakes in the desert. I've even been warned about them in my neighborhood since I live next to the Santa Clara riverbed. It's an invisible river. I know it's there. They made me buy flood insurance. <laughs> we have sinned. We have sinned. They rushed to Moses. We have broken our connection, you see. We've talked against. We have blasphemed. We've, we've, we, we, we're in rebellion. We've gone rogue. Tell God to take the snakes away. Has that ever been a prayer of yours? Sometimes maybe your mama or your grandmama said, just say, get thee behind me, Satan. Because that's what they were saying. God, please take the snake away. God said, verse 8, make a snake and put it on a pole. And anyone who is bitten, have you been bitten, my friends? I have. Anyone who has been bitten can look at that snake that you have on the pole and live. You want to know about grace? You want to know about salvation? It's right here in this story. Anyone who has been bitten, anyone who is dying can choose to look and live. Don't look, you don't live. The good news can be found, I believe, in these five books. And here we have a snake on the pole. And, and I'm just going to say, if you feel that you have been snake bit, like I feel that I have been snake bit by the, the one and only serpent, that old serpent, the devil, and that you are dying, that you are headed towards a date with everlasting death, then the invitation is clear. The good news is clear. Look and live. Look at Jesus. He was the one that was put on a pole for you. This is not a time to be celebrating our independence. The offer is to trust, honor, and obey the God of creation. The God who provides us life, liberty, joy, peace, patience, and above all, love. Today is the day we believe and declare our dependence on the undying affection of a God who is also our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's truly great news. Amen.